Welcome to That One Record. I'm your host, Kyle Crichet, and today we sit down with Sheena and Alex of the band Lemuria to talk about their 2008 debut LP, Get Better. Hailing from Buffalo, New York, I actually got to see Lemuria many, many times growing up. You can't help but become friends with these people. They're so inviting. They were so kind to everyone they played with, everyone who attended the shows. They are, for my money, the quintessential DIY punk band. You, you know, lots of people throw around the term DIY, but this is a band that at, at some points in their career are self-releasing their own records. They are their own booking agent. They are their own management. They even have their own screen printing company. They're making their own merch. They just did everything with this ethos and integrity that I can't help but admire. It's easy to be DIY when no one's heard of your band before, but to get to the level they did is truly, truly an accomplishment. What I hope you take away from this interview is the relationship behind this band. Sheena and Alex have known each other for multiple decades. Uh, They are two of the sweetest, kindest people who have clearly, as you'll hear from the episode, have clearly helped each other get through so many things and, and done so many things together and created so much art together. It really is an inspiration and a model for how you can grow your friendships and relationships closer through art when you are willing to share and create with another person. We cover a lot of ground in this, the the Bridge Nine era, some of the later releases, uh, you know, the recording process on some of those too, but we really focus here on 2008's Get Better, and that's where we'll start this interview off, trying to remember about summer 2006, just where exactly the band was when they decided that it was finally time to put out their first proper full length. Uh, thanks, Sheena and Alex, for joining me today. We're going to talk about your debut LP, Get Better. So I want to start the band a few years before, because if my my research is right, you had put out a bunch of EPs, a bunch of 7 Inches, and even toured Europe before putting out Get Better. Does that sound right? Yeah. I th- Honestly, I was trying to think about stuff in in uh, in, like, the sequence of time and my brain like cannot fucking remember <laughs> anything so i think so we did we did like a tour in europe yeah before get better came out because we did it with the ringers but uh yeah uh Kernzy, you want to add anything no that's that's very <laughs> accurate <laughs> so you had already put out some eps seven inches stuff like that so was it a plan of the band to go, hey, we need to do a full length next? Or did you just keep writing and then had a large batch of songs and thought, well, I think we have a full length here? I think it was an, in, an intent to write a full length record at that point. I mean, we had been like touring a pretty good amount before that. And I think we were practicing twice, twice a week, pretty much. Uh hammering out some songs uh i do think at the point that get better was ready to be recorded we we had been working on some of those songs for like two or three years i think right currency because it took it took us a while to to finish get better yeah i think so there was a few songs that i think we had finished before a couple of the eps beforehand came out and uh we kind of held off on them because they were maybe a bit too slow to kind of stand alone on like a seven inch or something like that, you know? 
that, I think that's how it went. <laughs> so everything up to that point, um, Alex, is it was it your label exclusively Art of the Underground that had released everything up to that point? Yep. So you had Art of the Underground. You did, I believe, was there some Failures Union stuff on that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the Orphan Choir LP, I believe, which is one of yep. my all-time favorites, was on there. One of the best, yeah. yeah. And so I know that's the intro music it is to the your intro podcast. Music, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I had a hockey podcast as well like six years ago, and it was also an Orphan Choir song. Such a great album. Yeah. So what at what point did you guys go, okay, we're not going to self release it, but Asian Man came on board and, and you decided the LP's gonna come out with, with Mike? Hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I think <laughs> I I think we just kinda heard through the grapevine that Mike came to our show in uh when we played played San Jose on our tour with i think that was with kind of like spitting and uh i was like well i think we're gonna try to be touring a bit more since it's you know a full-length album and uh it was kind of a struggle to to kind of like take care of like label things and be on tour of the band at the same time and we were definitely touring in like a small vehicle so it's not like we could bring like more than like a like one box of one or two boxes of records so yeah. we needed someone who was going to be able to like maybe shipped to us once in a while and uh art of the underground was just me you know in my bedroom so (laughs) it wasn't happening so i reached out to mike and uh or i'm sorry actually i reached out to skylar um who worked at asian man at the time skylar soares and he was just like he's like yeah we'd love to do it and then randomly i remember i was like walking to go see a movie uh and and I got a call from Mike Park, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to go see this movie. I'm going to take this call. <laughs> and uh, and he just kind of – I remember him saying to me, he's like, Alex, we don't really do anything for bands. Like, who, <laughs> he's like, like we literally do nothing, but I, we, we'd love to put out the LaMurray record. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a couple interviews with him where that seems to be the, the sentiment. He's like, I just put out stuff I love. I can't get you press. I can't get you any of that. But you guys were doing a lot of that pretty much on your own, right? You were you were your own booking agents. You had your own label at that point. So did you kind of have a feel for, well, if they put it out, at least the Asian man name in, in the punk community, people know it, people check out stuff that comes out under that label. Did you just feel like, hey, we can do whatever promo we need to do for this? Yeah, we definitely did like our own grassroots stuff was like along with it. But Mike says that, but he totally, they do so much. They're, <laughs> they're like the best label ever. Yeah. <laughs> This is, do you have anything recorded when Asian Man's already on board? Like, did you already have the record finished or was this, hey, he wants to put it out now, let's record something? Yeah, it was done. Yeah, we actually had recorded Get Better and then uh, I sent it to Skylar and then uh, he must have given it to Mike and they were like, yeah, we'll just do it. So I think originally, like, you know, we had no idea who was going to do it. And yeah, okay, it was just kind of very, very lucky. You had the album recorded already, so I want to kind of go back because the stories online I found seems, and the research from this guy, Doug White at Watchman Recording Studios, he seems like a metal dude. Am I wrong? He's totally a metal He's dude. Yeah. Totally yeah. Metal. Okay. Was it a conscious decision or was this just a, like a studio nearby? Like what, what was the decision there? 
Yeah, he went, He was a guy nearby. He lived in like the town. Uh, it was like a, I think a, it's Lockport, New York. So it's like a suburb of um, Buffalo area. And a lot of the hard, like at the beginning of Lemuria through, you know, the first like 10 years, like ish, we would play with a lot of hardcore, hardcore bands, punk bands. And we kind of just would mesh with whatever they were doing like or 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 just use you know the same kind of people and uh and so doug came recommended and also we didn't really know that many people that were doing studio recordings um but yeah doug's a metal dude so um but you alex did you record with doug before lemuria did because you were doing still ill stuff right yeah um still ill didn't record with him but i was playing guitar for a band called Lieutenant and we recorded oh, yeah. our uh, LP with him and then uh yeah and I think that's how I first met him and then yeah we did our demo and we did a few EPs with him too and yeah yes as <laughs> he was sorry go ahead he was really fast too like he he would turn around stuff in a really short amount of time so it was like cheap you know it was cheaper yeah. to go to him than like go to someone who was just learning how to do stuff yeah for sure as as the band went along and you know you have a couple albums after. How much more weight compared to this era did it go into picking studios and engineer? Uh, I never was uh, like Alex and Max. Max, when Max joined the band, I think things like got a little bit more technical in terms of like who we would pick to record with and 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 that side of things. But um. It got more intense in some ways and uh, really positive in other ways. I mean, I think Doug was really good for for Get Better. And, um, you know, for a recording experience, I think I had never really been in a band before Lemuria where I recorded, so I didn't know what to expect really. But um, I think Doug was really like, I think his efficiency made it uh, less scary. Like he, he could just glide through things so effortlessly. Um, and I feel like as we moved on to other people, like, well, we wanted to all record it with Jay Robbins from, uh, Jawbox, but, um, and then eventually Chris Shaw, like things just got a little bit more, um, expensive. (laughs) (laughs) You had some budgets now. Yeah. 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 We had some budgets. Um, but I don't, but like everyone we picked, we all agreed upon and we all were, you know, like the catalog of stuff they did and all that stuff. I think just some, some people in the band are going to always be a little bit more nerdy about certain things. So I think it was also regional too, because, uh, J Robin studios in Baltimore Yeah, and Chino's in DC. So we just kind of stay in DC and just, head up to Baltimore and then Chris Shaw had just moved to Austin Texas when we did the last record and that's where Max was living so it was just like we it was more expensive but we also didn't have to like pay for hotels the whole time we were there it was helpful yeah yeah now are you two there's some people who really love being in the studio are you that kind of band or is it kind of pulling your hair out at times it's my favorite thing yeah sorry (laughs) go sorry Thankfully, currency, because you're you just like invested in a music studio and you're learning how to do it. Like I would fucking hope so, but uh, I fucking hate it. You hate it. Why is that? Yeah, 
I think it's just like a, you have to achieve a level of perfection, even if it's just in your own head, you know, that like is very hard to come across. To, but also there's this like mix of uh, equipment that kind of does things without you having to do things too. <laughs> so it's like it can just be a really mindfuck situation sometimes. Uh, but that's me speaking negatively. Um, or pessimistically, I think it's just, uh, it depends on how, how much time you can sit and spend on one song without going completely insane. Yeah. Yeah. So for, but with Doug, we're talking in and out, fairly streamlined. You'd been playing a bunch of these songs for a couple years. So I uh, well, right before we kind of dropped the call there, uh, I was saying I, I was seeing some dates for the record in 2007, but the main one I found was February 26, 2008. Does that sound right for the release? I think so, yeah. That, that sounds right. So would you have recorded like summer before or winter before? Yeah, it was the summer, summer before. And summer I think before. something got something happened with the release date. Currency, do you remember? Like we ended up playing uh, uh, we ended up playing the release shows after it had already been out for for a couple weeks i'm pretty sure but uh yeah but uh they were in february for sure i remember the summer we we went in for i think we took two weeks to record get better okay yeah i think so yeah yeah i think doug also only charged us like 160 dollars a day yeah i mean he's just so like blows yeah, my mind <laughs> that's pretty good yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when you got into the studio, I like sometimes talking with bands about when you go in with a batch of songs, especially ones you've been playing for a while. Uh, when recording was done, was there any that surprised you either way? Like maybe a song you thought was maybe a toss away track ended up being great or one you maybe really loved ahead of time. Post recording, you thought, ah, maybe it didn't come out as great as I thought it was going to be. I think every song on there is a banger, but uh uh i feel like some of the songs didn't hit me lyrically as hard as they would after we would play them for some of the songs that alex wrote lyrics to on get better specifically that we would sing every single show like they they really like started to uh impact me in a different way because I feel like we were just learning. I was just learning the lyrics when we were recording it, you know, and I, I didn't, I was more, um, just more, uh, I wanted to just make sure I was singing it right, you know, sing, yeah. singing in pitch or whatever. And then like after a while, you don't have to think about that as much anymore. And then the, the subject of some of those songs like sets in a little bit more than I think it, it did. At, at first or whatever but i ended up really loving a lot of those songs and and they they really uh the lyrics just just get get you sometimes a little bit more yeah after a while what about you alex um i was surprised that there was two outtakes for the album that we later released when we did kind of like a uh, 10 year anniversary for the record yeah but uh, the fastest song we recorded, like the most energetic song, was an outtake. And that kind of surprised me because it was just, we liked it, but we had, it was called Race to the Germ. And we had 
we just had trouble like finding a place in the sequence because it, it was just like it just threw everything like I don't know, just threw everything off. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you guys were writing back then, uh, how were you splitting it up? Who was was someone doing music? Was someone bringing in finished songs, or were you working together pretty much the whole time? It depends on what song. So uh, I mean, typically what would happen is either Alex or I would bring in like a completed guitar part for a song and we'd work on it together. Uh, and then lyrics would always come last pretty much. Right. Okay. Currency. We yeah, did. I think so, yeah. Um, I think except I'll, for a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, we always would write material musically and then put lyrics to the songs afterward, um, after the music was down, which I think is a little bit different than some bands do it. But, um, that way, I felt like it, it helped us come up with like more creative vocal melodies than we would have if we were trying to complete the yeah. guitar and the vocals. Um, and that was a, a way where we could kind of input a little bit more on each other's songs. But song by song, it was it was e either Alex or I would do the main riffs and then everything else would kind of come in after it. And how do you decide who's going to sing a song? Like if someone's taking the majority of it, is it usually because they wrote it or is it depend on who has to play what? Like if a part is too complex to sing over, does somebody else have to take it? I would say typically I just want Sheena to sing all the songs. <laughs> response, but she's like, I'm not going to sing that. You got to sing that. I'm like, okay. But I, don't I, have, I have sang many uh a thing that Alex Kearns has written where I was like, come on. And also, and also just like, I can't possibly like some of Alex's lyrics are just so, so real. And also because I, I do know Alex personally, yeah. um, that like it, it never felt like I could give it justice, but he still, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow force you? Yeah. to sing it so yeah that if i had my way lemuria would have been like a, a 50 50 sing singing yeah band but we were not that way because alex is a little shit <laughs> if i had my way it would have been a zero 100 zero, yeah. <laughs> going back on this album like i listened to this thousands of times but doing like a real deep dive I don't think until I was older and I had kids and, you know, r different relationships with parents and in-laws and stuff, I didn't realize how dark this record was at moments at the time. Whereas reading it back now, there's certain... I was like, how did I not <laughs> understand that basically half these songs? Alex, do you want to talk about... I, I believe your father passed right before... It Was it right before recording for this album? Yeah, he, he passed in 2016. 26 okay so that and oh 2006 sorry oh yes yeah God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh 20 2006 yeah um and uh yeah so and that was like you know and then shortly after we started you know we were on tour when he passed and we had to we canceled the tour and came home yeah. and uh yeah and a little you know shortly after started writing the record and uh yeah it was kind of it was just a weird time and it was kind of uh maybe when i look back at the record now maybe a, a little too uncensored <laughs> you know i think uh sometimes i want i worry about my family members reading it a little bit and you know maybe getting a little bit 
too cynical on some parts of the album and uh but it was just yeah definitely me going through uh the hardest time of my life you know yeah so yeah for sure and the so your dad passes you start recording these songs now when you're playing these songs because you guys toured at an insane clip like when people look back now at the length of tours like DIY bands used to do in like the mid early 2000s it seems crazy now like six week tours eight three month tours you know whatever and you're playing these songs over and over is that helping you process your father at all or is it just I'm I'm doing a job here we're just playing these songs I just got to get through them I think it was um, it was kind of like a in a way like I don't know wait a way to shed it all you know like i i think as i'm playing it i'm not really like when i listen to it and i'm like just a listener to the own songs i can feel it and understand what i was saying but i think when i'm playing it it's easy to just kind of let the room and and sheena and and uh and jay who was playing with us at the time it just felt like i was participating with my friends and um and and be and especially with the crowd and people paying attention it didn't it it, it made it easier to just kind of shed those feelings and i think i don't know i'm so grateful for lemuria for allowing me to have that as a as a, a little as its own as a therapy i guess you know yeah, yeah. i it really just it got me through all that a little more seamlessly than i may have <laughs> gotten through it you know <laughs> yeah and Sheena, when when Alex is bringing these songs forward, is you you end up singing ones like Wardrobe and I believe Hawaiian Shirt. Mm-hmm. You you tend to sing the majority of them. But how are you feeling, Sheena, knowing being so close with Alex this whole time, singing on these songs as well? I mean, I think at this point, I know Alex more than I know most people. I mean, we've known each other since we were. 16 15 16 um and like uh i was with him when he found out his father passed and i i i think alex is one of the only people i know that i could probably sing um some of that stuff uh and know what where it's coming from a little bit more than just just anybody else but um i don't know i mean i feel like in in particular when i talk about songs that i think alex uh could have done justice singing it's it's wardrobe and hawaiian t-shirt for sure um and some other songs that that have come up more like recent but um i don't know i felt like we we had a real, we have a relationship that like is very intricate and special. And, um, I think that that is a really unique thing in a band, uh, in general, it's really hard to be friends with people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, and I also, I just love Alex's lyrics. I think Alex is a really brilliant writer and, and somebody that, um, can put things into words a lot uh, sweeter than most people. Um, and I think we compliment each other on that too. Like, I think there have been times when Alex will sing some of my lyrics that are more simple and stripped down, but because he knows me and like 
our relationship is just very um, unique. I think it makes it so that we can both sing each other's stuff and feel confident that we're we're supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's funny you say all that because I feel like I just try to write more like Sheena writes. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you, you say you write simple and, and stripped down, but I. I feel like I'm always hiding behind metaphors and things, and, I, and I'm always like, I just wish I could write like just something with clarity, like you know, like Sheena just says it, like you'll you'll say exactly what you you feel in your songs, and there's just like this this clearness to it. So I don't know. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. On that note, do you guys remember the Pitchfork review of this album? Yeah, I remember. I remember reading it, and I think. The first line said we were from Brooklyn, and I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you got a 6.4 out of 10, which for 2008 is pretty nuts. But it's pretty good for uh, a a punk band. But I was reading through the review of it, and kind of on the note of what you guys just said, they... um, they kind of rip the simplicity at times of, of the lyrics. And I think now, in retrospect, we're, what, 13 years later, I think that's one of the strongest aspects by far of the record. It's like just, <laughs> it's the the straightforwardness where it's just conveying an emotion in kind of the simplest way, but I think it hits harder and wider that way. But I was trying to put myself in that time, like, okay, this is 2008, this is peak, like, heady awful indie try hard kind of stuff so it's like oh, i can see how the reviewer would be like oh this simple punk stuff is so beneath this site and i feel like getting ripped on pitchfork was like a, you know it was like uh something you almost wanted at that time because it, <laughs> it was like it was like you had if if they liked it it was like it was lame but if they hated on it it's like okay there's something cool here <laughs> but it it was funny reading that review because I was like, oh, this is so of the time, and it was, oh, it was basically. I think the line in it was like, uh, this band sounds straight out of 1993, and I'm sure in 10 years when the 90s revival comes up, it's gonna get a huge boost and they're gonna be massive. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But was do you do you guys remember the reception of the record? Kind of after it comes out on Asian Man. You basically start touring right away. Do you remember how it was received? How what changed in your shows? What changed in how you toured, and and how much time you devoted to the band? We started touring like crazy for sure, um, and we started doing a lot more package tours. So I remember the first, I think the first one we did after we released Get Better was that um, Asian Man tour, right? Currency with um, Bomb the Music Industry, Andrew Jackson, Jihad, uh, the Queers, and Kepi Gooley. And that was kind of our first like taste of like a big, big tour, like a big package tour, but it was fucking awesome. Like we were friends, we became friends with everybody. Like it it was a very tight knit unit. I mean, Asian man puts out good shit, but also uh, it's still like very much like a DIY punk label. And I think that all the bands, with maybe a little exception to the queers, <laughs> a little exception. Um, they they were wonderful, but like we hung out with all the other bands and became an actual tight knit unit. And I think that that kind of sparked 
a desire to do more of that for sure. Like we we're a personable people. We wanted to tour with bands that we wanted to hang out with at after shows and become, you know, um, lifelong friends with. And I think that that's one of the things about Lemuria that, that happened after get better that like, I think we really got lucky with cause we met, so many awesome bands and so many awesome people that we're still friends with now. And it's been, you know, over 10 years of touring. Like, I think it's just such a, an awesome way to, it was just such an awesome way to spend time and like do something cool and travel and, and hang out and see cool shit. And yeah, I think after get better, we were just like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Awesome. Was did you ever not just after get better, but at any point in your time touring, did you guys ever take a package tour thinking, hey, this might be really weird and it ended up being really awesome? We toured with with the Wonder Years and Newfound Glory and and that it was a weird tour. <laughs> but um but but I'll say like the Wonder Years dudes are awesome and we like had a really good time with them and it was it was chill. It, uh the tour was not like our speed like uh yeah. we were not I remember that tour was a tour that we met with um a booking agent and it was like our first little taste of like what what it might be like and he basically told us we weren't good enough uh and <laughs> like i think we all cried <laughs> i think he literally said we weren't good enough yeah, he was basically like i'm not saying you're you're not going to be good in eventually but like hit me up then but anyways alex we all cried right i think we all cried <laughs> no no if we cried but <laughs> We were all, you know, shocked. I oh, guess. Oh man! Yeah. Were you already? It on, was like the. Were you on Bridge Nine at this point already too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were, and and it was like a, it was like the most brutal honesty that, like, you know, we we weren't we weren't very good like live, and we, you know, I think we got like a lot lot better, but uh, yeah, it was really it was a really brutal, it was a brutal experience um, that I'm sure lots of bands get very often you know but also at the at that point we were after that happened now we're like that was fucking dumb <laughs> it was also it was next's second show with us too and we're like yeah. oh there's this guy that's coming out to scout us <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny because even at that level like like those mid to smaller size bands compared to newfound glory wonder years like it's just a numbers game at that point and you were touring like crazy so like you would think that's just a band you throw on your roster and you're you know minimum minimal time spent working on them and you know they're going to tour all year and you come in and just tell them they're dog shit and you don't want them like <laughs> yeah i mean this person was looking for another newfound glory which is like that that wasn't our thing that was never going to be like yeah. we they they're like um they're good at what they do like uh but that was that was we're really awkward people that make jokes like and, and talk about really awkward shit in between songs and like you know i think that 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 it worked out for the best, you know, like it, it all worked out great how it worked out. But, um, but I remember a, a couple of things like that happening where I was like, fuck, <laughs> like, we're just like punk kids, you know, like we, we don't, we, I think we, we kind of dabbled in a, a bunch of different areas and never, um, 
I mean, I think we stayed like pretty true to our sound and our and like each other throughout the life of our the lifespan of our band. But like, yeah, being in a band is weird sometimes I, too. I I totally agree with that because I don't even think now people can truly understand what you're actually talking about there. Like, for as long as I've known the band or been around the band, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but. You were your own booking agent for the majority of the band? Yep, at least half of it, yeah. You, yeah, half of it. You were self-releasing a bunch of releases. When you started picking up, Alex, did you not start your own merch company? Like, you, you started a screen printing shop? Yeah, my garage was a screen printing shop. So Yeah, we did our, our own merch. You're printing all your own merch, including album covers, posters, stuff like that. You're booking all your... I remember booking a tour in like 2011 or something and getting like 10 shows and wanting to die after it because it was so difficult and it was such a pain in the ass. And then I see like a Lemuria tour that's like 40 dates and I know that you've booked this whole thing yourself. Like is- To be fair, 40 dates, some of those shows were horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like but- you play like Bismarck, North, Car- or North Dakota. And like, I think, uh, I remember, I think, Jay, our bass player at the time, like thought he was getting kidnapped and the show didn't end up <laughs> happening. <laughs> we had to go to the mall in the town and flyer for our own show that didn't even end up happening. Like the lady, yeah. We didn't you want to put market? us on a truck and, and with a PA and, ha- and drive around yeah, in the was- town? Yes. <laughs> we were like, that seems like a bad idea, but. Okay. But see, this is where I'm talking, like, people don't appreciate it now, where it's like, yeah, it's like how, how wild I was, the the episode that just came out was with the Flatliners, and, like, Chris is talking about these, like, three-month, you know, 60-date tours through the U.S. and Canada. He's like, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't pay me to do it now, but he's like, when when you're young and just doing that, it's like, you're stoked, even if there's 10 people at half the shows. That's just, you know, you don't know any different. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I don't regret anything we did, but we've played some weird shows. <laughs> well, you also, being right in Buffalo, you were in Canada all the time. Yeah. Which which was awesome. Like, you, you would play house shows, you'd play venues, you'd, you'd get a mix of everything. I was going to say, I was going to add to the, um, the weird tours, because we did do a handful of shows with uh, Amy Mann and Ted Leo. And oh, okay. We we did the shows and most of the sh- I think all but one show was uh, seated. Whoa, interesting! <laughs> so, so, and we were like a rock band, you know. We were we only had songs ready that were like supposed to like hope get people moving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a weird one. So, but yeah. Do you have either of you have any highlights from this period? Like something where it was like, oh man, that was really cool from either this touring cycle, or even just having the finished product. I feel like didn't we go to um uh, well uh, I mean honestly everything's a blur uh but I would say like any highlight where we were like internationally traveling to play songs off get better like that was a pretty that was a pretty solid highlight I mean we we went to Russia and oh man uh Southeast Asia and Australia and that was kind of a a accumulation of all of our records at the time but like yeah people like going somewhere outside of the country you live and people like being stoked that you're there like that that will always be an ultimate highlight and 
um just fucking awesome do either of you have a i don't know the last time you listened to it do you, either of you have a favorite song either to play live or listen back now and think damn that's my favorite from this record I love Hawaiian t-shirt, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's not always like a, a, it's the subject matter is really sad, but, um, that is my favorite. I think that might be my favorite Lemuria song to play and to hear. Awesome. Alex? Yeah, I would say me mechanical is my favorite to play. And, uh, that's some of my favorite lyrics Sheen has written and, uh, I think it's just a jammerish. I don't know. Like I remember when you wrote that guitar riff, it really like took me a while to wrap around like how I was gonna play drums to it, and and then I, when I finally figured out something that worked, I was like, I just like this, this, this lady's a genius. <laughs> it's just a, such a weird guitar line. I still don't know how to play it. I can't play it. I totally agree because right when I was getting into Lemuria, I started playing guitar later in my teens and sheena you were actually a huge influence for how i played guitar that's cute because it was i remember seeing oh it must have been right around this time and there was a house in kitchener that used to do shows i remember you had that garnet head and that 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 gibson uh the paul that all brown guitar i was like this is like my dream setup. i still have it oh you still have it Oh, Amazing, yeah. yeah. But I remember watching you play because I was having real tough time teaching myself how to play guitar and just like not being able to keep up with the people around me. And I was playing metal and stuff and then punk and with some classically trained people and really struggling. And then I saw you play and I was like, oh, you don't have to play like that. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. Like, because you would just play these <laughs> wild chords and stuff that would sound, they would sound like awesome and stuff i hadn't heard before i was like okay i need to figure out what she's doing and how to steal it basically <laughs> it is not mine it is all of ours and <laughs> also uh yeah i think i think that is a i think you and i are in a very similar place though because i feel like uh it, i was a late bloomer like I, I i learned late i started playing guitar when i was like 23 i think oh, or uh maybe it why it might have been a little bit earlier than that but like you know i think if you teach yourself something you'll come up with stuff more than you will if you are like technically trained which like each side has its each side has its pros and i don't want to say cons but like yeah i think i think it's you just gotta do it sounds cool but i am flattered that you guys think that i am a decent guitar player <laughs> <laughs> I think when you see you just play shows all the time you see guitar players it's like over time like the ones with styles stand out in your mind like Alex you're drumming as well like there's some even on this record there's some really wild parts where it's like a lot of the times I'm listening to it and I'm like how is he singing and doing this at the same time specifically like Tom work because I think how much of that is being a three piece where you got to you know, there's a little more room to play with. There's a little more air to fill. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of my drumming on it was, I, I think I think Sheena's guitar playing really pushed me to try to like I had to kind of um, fit like I it, like a lot of her your riffs, Sheena, are like not w what are conventional. I guess you know, like you, they 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 move and like kind of very with 
kind of like water like they kind of like they kind of glide like just has this kind of glide to it like it's but not on not on get better but a a very specific one is like the beginning of bristles and whiskers that riff you wrote and um i mean there's just so many but like they always are pushing me because um you know i can't i can't just sit down and and just play a beat that i would have played out of my my school book you know or you know like you know it's just like i really have to kind of bend things a little bit and um and there's always sometimes an extra bar to the riff, but you don't even notice it when you're listening. But then like when I'm actually, when I sit down and try to play it, I'd be like, what, what am I doing wrong here? <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think honestly, a lot of my drumming is just, is just trying to keep up <laughs> with the rest of the band. Yeah. that bristles... you, were le- you were learning how to play drums yeah. too then. Like yeah. you, you were, you were a guitar player, you, yeah. you know, and like, I, yeah learning how to play drums like right at the very beginning of Lemuria so like it's pretty impressive to see like some of the shit you did on Get Better as like a band where you had only been playing drums for a very short amount of time what like three years four years you you were playing maybe it started right around the demo which is 2004 or something yeah that's wild yeah Bristles and Whiskers is probably the best example on the album that opening ding 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 yeah <laughs> that's cool um where did the album title come from get better currency you can tell this one <laughs> i think we actually just finished the record and we were driving back and uh you know honestly i i can't i can't remember exactly what do you remember you don't remember sheena we had a really hard like couple of shows where I feel like we were just not this is really corny. This is like a very corny story and situation. Yeah. Um I don't know if it's the cool corny, but uh <laughs> but uh we were playing some shows and like I just I just remember we were all feeling really bummed, like just feeling bummed about the way we were playing and you know, we were, I, I remember specifically always being frustrated at playing places where, um, like the PA wasn't working or like you, like, any you punk know, you, venue. yeah, any punk venue. Exactly. And like, you can't hear what you're saying and like things are falling apart and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I think I remember us just having like a, a chat, like we had like a chat where we were all just like really we were just all really fucking bummed, but we still had tour. We still had shows to play. And I remember Alex came out um, before we were about to play and he had written get better on his snare drum. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. That's yeah. That is where, yeah. That's where. (laughs) Oh, get better is in like telling yourself, get better at drums. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. And so, yeah, I remember when we were finished with the record, we all, you know, it was, it was like kind of our, like, yeah, it was our, it was, it, it was a motivation that Alex had for himself that kind of transferred into all of us, uh, to, to like get our shit together. Essentially, if we were going to play music in front of people. Very cool. (laughs) That's my, that was my interpretation at least. (laughs) And and what was the idea, or where did the idea come from for the album art? I don't remember. <laughs> that was um, I our friend uh, Stephen Floyd, who uh, he he does like a comic book um, 
Better like a zine, like a zine distro called One Percent Press, and uh, we're really good. I mean, we still are friends with him. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, back in Buffalo, when we were like hanging out all the time, there was this artist that he was working with, and um, uh, and and uh, he was just like, "Hey, like you know, this might be fitting." And uh, we were looking through his stuff, and we hired Dan and. Uh, to do it and he sent us over the peacock feathers and we're like solid can't <laughs> like, like just yes <laughs> we didn't know what the relevance was and we we're just like somehow that just fits i don't yeah. know why it fit for us but we're like yeah <laughs> uh, the the releases that come after how much some bands are really focused on something like album art with like okay we need this album art to fit these themes to fit this thing how where does album art sit for you like you use the the band shot on covers before you have the peacock is it not not to say an afterthought but maybe you're open to more stuff like that where hey here's this artist this peacock i don't know why but this works yeah, I think I, well, the, I remember the first EP where it was just our faces. I think we were just trying to rip off the police's outlandish more. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but uh, yeah, do you remember? Like, did you did Sheena? Did you request peacock feathers or how did that? Come I think about? I did. Yeah, I think I, 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 I think I said that I that it would be cool if we could do something with feathers. But um, I also know that like especially at that point in the band when it was. Jay Draper, me and Alex, we each had like entirely different vibes aesthetically and like art, like in Lemuria's history, if you couldn't already tell, like none of us are artists, like none of us like have an artistic bone in our body when it comes to like graphic arts or like t-shirt designs. Um, although maybe Alex and Max would say differently, but, um, no, you're right. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I can speak right. for myself. Like, but I don't. Yeah. We all suck at art except like not, I mean, music is art, you know what I mean? But, uh, but like in general, Lemuria never had a clue of what we were doing in the art direction, except I will say that when we did recreational hate, I felt like that, that cover and like the idea of of art behind that was was like i was pretty proud of that one like i felt like that was a that was a good um representation of the band at where we were at at the time we did that record and uh it suits but yeah we 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 would have a really hard time with like t-shirt designs and stuff too until we ended up getting um a couple people we would always ask for things just because we knew that they were always solid. Um, yeah, I've always but... been kind of jealous of, of those bands that um, that have the one person in the band that does the art and yeah. everything is like a cohesive, like beautiful style in every single record, you know, like Baroness or whatever. Yeah, and like yeah. there's just other bands that have that that thing going, but it's hard to be artistic in all of the forms yes yeah for sure uh at what point after are you sequencing the record going into the studio or do you remember how you handle sequencing stuff like that did you know pants was going to be an opener did you know you had a closer or do you kind of mix it up post recording 
We did it after we recorded. Um, Alex, I think you were the one that came up with the sequence for Get yeah. Better. It was. It was also. Also, Jay had a lot of involvement okay. in that as well. I remember there was like a lot of back and forth, and um, you know, and we we finally came to something we we all all three of us agreed on. But um, yeah, I don't think. We, yeah, we didn't really have any. When we went in the studio, we had no clue what the order was going to be. It really came down to, and just it. It was. It was kind of an odd one to sequence. Yeah, for, I remember thinking because a lot of the songs were a bit slower than our previous material, so. Just dog dogs back to back was the only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't put those next to each other. Which also, that Pitchfork review, back to the, sorry, this is pissing me off reading this review, <laughs> but he's like, there's no real transition between dog and dogs. I was like, what? <laughs> How, what, what is this? Who's writing this? <laughs> I really think the only reason we split dog and dogs into uh, um into two songs was because we didn't want an odd number of tracks on the record <laughs> and we some reason it was just like 12 felt better split up. i don't know it's like it's kind of like that thing like when you're like you know you're adjusting the volume in your car and it's like do i want it to be at 14 or 16 <laughs> yeah yeah for some reason <laughs> well i think it it kind of fits because i i think the whole record is like a, a record of contrast like your voices are so different there's there's these songs that are so I guess everything sounds, a lot of it sounds upbeat, poppy, even when the lyrics are dark. But, and then you have a song like Pants, but then you also have a song like Bristles and Whiskers. It's very contrasting, and I don't think I appreciated it at the time as much as when I came back around to it later on. And so this record comes out, you start touring, all that stuff. When does Bridge Nine come into the picture? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember, Currency. You remember? Yeah, we we it's almost the same kind of thing as Asian Man, where it was just like we heard a rumor that they liked us, and <laughs> and then I think at some point uh, we reached out, and, you know, and uh, and Chris uh, B nine was like the nicest guy, and he was just we went and visited the his place in Boston, and and it just happened. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was really. I, yeah, it's it just is so it all happened so fast because we were touring so much at that time, and you know we. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know, Sheena. Can you do you know like what exactly what was the intro? I have no idea. I just remember thinking that Chris was really nice and that he uh. was stoked for it, and we were stoked for it. So that was all that mattered. I remember also thinking it, it was like. I think at that point, you know, we it wasn't weird for us to join Bridge Nine at all, um, just because like throughout Lemuria's history before that, like like I said, like we grew up in like a hardcore punk scene, and like a lot of people thought it was really strange that we signed to Bridge Nine because they predominantly put out hardcore, but like we didn't think it was weird at all. Like we were just like. We knew we were going to tour a lot. We knew that we wanted to put out more records and um, we were excited to tour with different kinds of bands too. So I think that's why we, we, we ended up going with them. Um, we also, that was the Pebble we recorded with Jay Robbins as well as um, the distance is so big. And those were, um, 
when it was just me and Alex and um, Kyle Patton for yep. Pebble, he recorded bass and then Max joined on the distance is so big. So we were in like a pretty big transition anyways, like, and we were just kind of, I think we were just feeling things out, you know, just, just trying to go where it felt right. And um, bridge nine was like super stoked. So we were stoked too. Yeah, I think the ethos behind Bridge Nine and how it started and how you guys were doing it, it pretty much lines up, even if they did put out just hardcore for, for a long time. And then, so at this point, is Lemuria your only job, or are you still coming home and working in between, or are you gone so much? I was working, and I lived in a couple different places at that point, but... um and max like we we all three of us have like done production jobs like done freelance like kind of freelancey stuff um i worked at a restaurant for a while but uh it it kind of depends on what time period i guess uh there was maybe like a year where we did lemuria full time right kerms yeah after the distance yeah I would say for the most part, though, like we were always like coming home and working gigs, and yeah, picking up jobs, and there was never a time where I, I think that Lemuria fully sustained us all, you know. But yeah. like, but there was, yeah, there was a year where we're like, okay, Lemuria is going to give us like a monthly, you know, salary. You know, we're going to we're going to get paid a certain amount if we if we're going to be going out and dedicating half our year to this, we need to like take a certain amount. Um, but yeah, it was. We never really got over that hump, <laughs> you know, where I was like, this is, this is going to be, uh, we're going to be paying our bills. Easily. I think we, I think we're still in debt on that one year. That <laughs> we're, we, yeah, we're... yeah. I think we, we've never quite recovered from that decision. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, we've always had to, we also all lived in different places for our whole band's career. So like pretty much. So uh, it was really expensive to travel, to see each other and like, we did it, but it definitely, it, it was definitely not easy to do towards, you know, the, the last couple of years that Lemuria was touring like that. And I think now we're all, you didn't ask this, but I'll just, I'll just say, like, we wouldn't tour like that again. Like we all are, we're all like stoked about not doing six week tours like <laughs> ever again so yeah i asked that question just because i think people have uh misconceptions about bands of a certain level and how much they make and when it's a job like even when i was talking to the menzingers who now it is their job but i would hazard to guess that most people if you gave them the timeline of their releases and said point to when you think this became their full-time job, they would point much earlier than what it actually was. And, you know, at certain points it's like, yeah, we were living off it, but all of us were living in the same house together and like stuff like that. Those different sacrifices where also it depends on the age of people in the band and what else is going on lives and partners and families. Even it's, it's, it's real wild. So when you get to bridge nine, what's different is it is it basically just hey now we have a budget for a little bit more for recording or was it was it press was it promo did anything change for you internally did you stop being your own booking agent at this point or no 
We did start working with um, John uh, pretty soon after I think uh, Pebble came out, and John John Chavez is um, just a rad dude. Like he he was immersed in all sorts of different scenes, and we really wanted to do more package tours when we got a booking agent, and so you know, like we we were we were pretty used to how the system worked. And if we wanted to do package tours, we needed someone like John to help, <laughs> first of all, get us on those kind of tours, but also just make sure that we weren't going to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and so, yeah. And then bridge nine, like they did give us a, a budget for the, you know, we didn't really have a budget before that. Uh, we just paid for recording out of uh, our own band stuff, like lots of people do. Um, but then when we started working with Bridge Nine, yeah, I think we we knew we wanted to go to Jay Robbins um, to record because we were all Jawbox fans. Um, and his studio was really close to where I lived. Um, oh, cool. And... I think he was like more expensive than uh, Doug White was, but like not, he still charges so cheap for, it was just super affordable to go to him for a band that like had a little bit of a budget mm -hmm. and, um, you know, knew that they were going to be touring a bunch and wanted to put something out that sounded good. Um, and uh, in between Pebble and The Distance is So Big, Jay actually moved to a different studio and his studio got like a little bit bigger and had more stuff and it, it was cool. I, I love Jay Rob. We all love Jay Robbins. Yeah. Uh, he's the raddest. But um, and then when we went to Chris Shaw, that was like probably the most we've spent on a recording and the most like uh he's like a producer like yeah. he's like a you know he's like a guy that like gives good ideas and like um we had never really had that before so that was that was a cool little treat of like figuring out that not all producers are bad <laughs> and do bad things to your to your songs, to your songs. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so looking back at the album now, if you had to rank your own discography, where do you guys put Get Better in that ranking? Aren't you supposed to say like all of your children are equal? <laughs> You're supposed to, but we all know it's a lie. <laughs> Everyone says it's hard, but it's easier than they make it out to be. Um, I don't know. Currency, you, uh, you, you, you got a ranking? It's it's tough because I mean, of course, Get Better has like some of the most meaningful songs to me on it, but I also listen to it and be like, oh god, I was such a shitty drummer, <laughs> you know, like you know, like I just like you know, it's hard to hear not hear things I'm doing that bug me, but um, you know, I would say, uh, probably one of our least probably our least popular record, Pebble, is my one of my favorite ones. Uh, mostly because I, I think, I think we really went for what exactly we wanted to do on that one, even though it's not what people wanted to hear. Uh, I would say distance is so big is my least favorite. Damn birds. Huh? <laughs> Damn. I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I love all of our records because, you know, it's us, you know, and 
we wouldn't have released it if we didn't love it. And if we did release it and we didn't love it, then we're kind of just assholes <laughs> wasting people's time, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah. I maybe, maybe get better to be my, my third, third favorite. Cause I think recreational hate because it's newer and more, more meaningful to me today. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That was long. That's long answer for, for <laughs> replacing so get one that record. Is your last? <laughs> no, third. Okay. Third. Okay. Distance got it. Remember, he hates distance. He thinks it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sheila? Um, I, I, I'm not gonna rate them, but I will say that the most fun recording experience was definitely recreational hate because we were just like, "Fuck it, let's like." Let's just like have a trumpet player come in and like a, a pedal steel. Like, I think at that point, also Max um, was really starting to like contribute uh, music. I mean, he he contributed. Uh, he plays bass. You know, he wrote all the bass lines for the distance is so big. But I feel like we were all just. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. Alice is crawling on me. What's up, um, uh. And then, uh, yeah, we just, we wanted to get a little freaky, but we were also at that point, we were back, like, putting out on Asian Man. It felt like we were, like, kind of returning to our roots a little bit, um, even though our roots always be rooted the whole time we were, <laughs> we were recording. But uh, anyways, it was, it was, I think Recreational Hate's my favorite. That's all I'll say. I, yeah, and I think if you yeah. ask me tomorrow, my order would be different too. It, it really or just like a certain it, song. Certain yeah, song. like I think I think Pebble probably has my favorite Lemuria song. I think Bloomer is my favorite Lemuria song. Oh, nice. Cool. But but this one, it's such like 2008. That's 18. This was like also when I was listening to a lot of really obnoxious heavy stuff. So like <laughs> this is one of the records I could like put on with my now wife and like oh we both love this. And then, you know, instead of just like a pig destroyer album or something and <laughs> when I'm still in the courting phase and it's not helping at all. <laughs> uh, is is there any plans for I know you guys are scrambled all across the country now pretty much. Is there any Lemuria plans at all in the future? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just know, thought like I'd some check. Some of us want to have babies and shit. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't ever play again. But I think we're we're all each kind of navigating our own lives um, a little bit. But uh, they, uh, uh, I don't want to. Um, whatever. Maybe like we'll have like a a moment where we're ready to play again. Yeah. But. I'm also like, there are so many bands that like, I don't know. I feel like the COVID-19 pandemic has like really filtered out a lot of, I won't get all negative here, but <laughs> you know, I feel like you got to really, really want to do it to do it at this point. And um, maybe that'll get a little bit more open as time goes on. But uh, for right now, I think we're all just, really excited to be doing some other stuff i still send Gina demos like every other <laughs> he, <does. day. laughs> I, he, he hits me up pretty often and says you got any songs i, I thought i saw on instagram alex a picture with you two in the same room recently 
And I was yeah. like, oh shit, it's the Secret Lemuria album that's being recorded <laughs> right now. <laughs> we recorded a, a Cars cover uh, of the song Drive. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you got a lot of stuff though, Kernzy. Kernzy is one of those people that just can write like a million songs and like it just has like a, a, a backlog of like a million different things that that he's been working on. So I'm sure there will be some kind of Alex Kearns uh, project in the near future. Right, Kearns? Patreon, she knows, Ella. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> when you go to Europe, I'll tour with you. Oh, yeah. Lemuria 2. Awesome. Yeah, that... Well, thanks for looking back on this with me. That was really fun for a record I really love. And there was a lot of cool stuff in there. And I'm glad now you're getting to do real life stuff after going for so hard for so long and uh yeah hopefully we see some music from either of you at some point thanks kyle yeah thank you and that wraps lemuria's 2008 full-length debut get better i hope you enjoyed the conversation uh i hope if you've heard the record before it inspires you to go back and give it another listen and if you have it it's absolutely worth checking out uh if you would like to help the show at all if you go to itunes spotify anything that has any sort of rate and review type system five stars whatever you give it a rating review helps people find it uh if you want to get in contact with the show you've got an instagram page twitter both those are uh that one record podcast search it up there or you can hit me up at that one record podcast at gmail.com if you need to talk further Thanks for listening, and send this around to any friends, family, whatever you think might be interested in it, and I'll see you again in two weeks.